The Better Health Every Mind Matters aims to support the nation's mental well-being by showing the little things we can all do to look after our mental health, helping us to lead happier, healthier lives and cope with life's challenges. If you search for Every Mind Matters online, you will find a free NHS-approved mind plan. By answering five simple questions, you will get a personalised mental health action plan with practical tips for helping to deal with stress and anxiety, boost your mood, sleep better and feel more in control. Search Every Mind Matters to see what works for you. Please note, this episode is triggering. We'll be talking to Harmeet Baria today about how she had faced mental health challenges due to losing her father, postnatal depression and a miscarriage, how she came through it and the tools she used to overcome it. She's a published author and currently has two books under her belt. Nafisa, it's time for our podcast. Can you hurry up? Taz, I'm coming. Jude has the hoover on. You can't stay with me. You have to go to bed now. Good night, Good night, I'm Nafisa and I'm Tasneem. Grab a cup of tea or coffee and some snacks and join us for a chat after hours. Just two Muslim mums kicking back, having fun and talking about life, relationships, family, motherhood and more. Welcome to the madness that is our lives. Salams and welcome to another episode of Not Another Mum Pod. I'm Nafisa and this is Tasneem and today we're going to talk about the issue of mental health, a topic that's considered taboo in our community where many of us don't really understand it well and some even explain it away with the excuse of gins. The impact and experience of the past 18 months has been different for everyone, as have our reactions, but there's no doubt it's been a difficult time for us all. That's why it's so important to look after our mental health and well-being now more than ever. New research from the Office for Health Improvement and Disparities, part of the Department of Health and Social Care, shows that the past 18 months negatively impacted the mental well-being of half of all adults in England, so 49%. And of those who struggled, a massive one in three, 34%, did not know what to do to improve their mental well-being. That's crazy, Taz. That's crazy stats. Um, And just to add a few more, with special reference to the ethnic minority groups, 52% listed worries and anxiety as the top challenge they faced, followed by stress, low mood and depression. The main reasons people gave for COVID-19 having a negative impact on their mental well-being include loneliness, isolation, worrying about family's health and safety and worrying about COVID-19. 37% were unsure about how to improve their mental well-being and 55% said they did not know what to do. These figures are so stark. They are, they speak volumes. Today, um, Harmeet will be talking to us about how the pandemic affected her mental health. Dealing with grief, a traumatic birth and not to mention a miscarriage, all contributed to Harmeet becoming suicidal. We'll be asking Harmeet about the challenges she faced, the impact that it had on her life, and the tools she used to come through the darkness with such positivity. We'll also be discussing the NHS-approved mind plan found on the website, Every Mind Matters. And by answering five simple questions, adults get a personalised mental health action plan, giving practical tips to help them deal with stress and anxiety, boost their mood, sleep better and feel more in control. Both Tasnim and I have had a go at this and we'll be sharing the results at the end, inshallah. Search Every Mind Matters to see what works for you. Without further ado, let's welcome Harmeet to the show. Hi Harmeet, thank you so much for coming on to talk to us today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's a pleasure. 
Um, so could you tell us a little bit about your background and what you do so we can all get a sense of your life, who you are and the first signs of when you knew something was wrong? Sure, yeah. So I'm an author of two books. I also am a member of a mental health charity and I have a lived experience uh, in mental health. So I'm very, very passionate about raising awareness and helping others. My first experience of mental health issues was when my father passed away. That was when he was he was 49 years old, so it was over 15 years ago. That was my first experience when I lost him and I experienced depression. But then I had several losses after that. So I went through a sort of in and out of depression quite a few times. I think the next big kind of episode in my life was when uh, I gave birth to my daughter. That was 10 years ago. And that led me to anxiety and postnatal depression. And then uh, further down the line in 2015 and 2017, I had two losses, uh, two miscarriages. Um, so I went into quite a dark place during that time. And again, I was facing uh, quite a lot of difficulties with my mental health. So something had to be done about it each time I went through these things. And I would say that I took a different approach every single time. Ahami, if you don't mind me asking, I'm just going to take you back a bit. Um, when you said that when your father passed away and you had depression, mm -hmm. how did you a recognize that you had depression and b what did you do about it so i recognized it obviously when you have a loss it's quite a sad time but when you continue to feel sad for a prolonged period of time so you know it's going on longer than you expected it's going on for weeks and months um you know you know that you're not just having a bad day or a small a sort of phase it's kind of more deeper than that um, so I think I started to feel like, you know, you started to lose interest in doing the things that I did. I started comfort eating and mm -hmm. things like that, um, which led to a lot of weight gain. I used to cry quite a bit and things like that. So, you know, at that point in time, I did have to have some counselling for that because I was diagnosed to have quite low mood. I think it's often a marker when, when it goes on for quite some time. Um, Hami, can I ask, before the counselling and before you were diagnosed with having low moods, did someone ask you to go to the doctors and maybe seek some help and advice or did you go from yourself? Uh, I discussed um, with my family um, and it was suggested that maybe I should go and see the GP. And then, um, yeah, and then we kind of took it from there and then they referred me from there. Um, and how were your counselling sessions? How did that work? I felt like I was obviously doing a lot of the talking. It felt like it's a release of emotion. Things can feel very, very heavy when you're going through a, a period like that. And I think just having somebody independent to speak to can be quite helpful because although the people around you want to help, you do sometimes need something uh, quite independent to support you during a time like that. Yeah, Hami, you also mentioned that you had uh, several other bereavements as well that impacted your well-being and as a result you developed anxiety. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So uh, after my father passed away, I had three more bereavements after that. So it was uh, quite sequential. It was year after year. So within four years, we lost four members of our family. Um, so you can imagine it had quite um, quite an impact on my emotions. It just felt like you were going through sad times all the time. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I don't actually know how I got through it, to be honest, when I look back at it now. But I think talking was one of the greatest therapies that I used during that time. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, um, I did get better because, you know, I ended up, I think it's almost like finding 
distracting yourself and finding other things that you can do to take you away from doing the same thing every day it's almost like getting yourself out of that rut something has to change yeah um you know there's a quote isn't there that if um nothing changes nothing changes yeah so something Mm -hmm. has to happen for you to feel better and and I think that's what happened to me at that point but then again I I met with anxiety and depression again when I had my daughter in 2011 and I had quite a traumatic birth with her and to be honest I really didn't know how to cope with the fact that I had um, this small little baby to look after and and really I was responsible for her but there was there was lots of things surrounding the birth itself so it's almost like I was finding it difficult to look after myself uh, which meant Um, that that responsibility of a child felt quite overwhelming. Would you mind kind of going into the birth and telling us what happened? Uh, Yeah so with the birth it was just a very very traumatic delivery basically I had to have a lot of physiotherapy afterwards because I had some physical implications due to the birth, uh, which meant that actually my physical health wasn't, um, you know, kind of the recovery wasn't going to be instantaneous. It it was going to take a a year for me to recover from it physically, which meant that my, you know, my self-esteem, my confidence, my, you know, my ability to feel that I was in control was lost at that point, really. Um, So so what happened was I started to stay at home a lot. Um, Mm. I didn't go out. I, I lacked confidence to go out because I felt like, you know, I was responsible for this child for my own health as well um and that almost like I was by myself doing this and because of that I I ended up isolating um, myself at home for the first six months I didn't I didn't have the the confidence to go out really and my health wasn't really allowing it as well and that that's how I fell um into the postnatal depression um sort of stage and 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 I, I developed anxiety as a consequence of isolating myself it just became harder each day to even consider it. You know, as mothers, I think we can all somewhat empathise with some elements of that, if not all. I mean, I remember when I first gave birth um, to my daughter and I felt, you know, every every birth to everybody feels traumatic, right? Because it's your first one or something goes wrong or, you know, there's always some element to the birth that's unpredictable and then you're having to deal with the situation at hand. So with my with my daughter as well, I think afterwards I found it really difficult with the pain that I was in and the recovery and, you know, you're responsible for this tiny little human being whilst you're still trying to heal heal your body and mind and all of that and I was similar to you in the sense that I just didn't leave the home I think for maybe um, three to six months as well and and I remember my health visitor taking my husband aside and saying you know I've got signs of postnatal depression and to keep an eye on me but then I don't know I didn't really get any further support after that but with you, you you had a health visitor you know who gave you that support or Yes. So I did have a health visitor visiting me and I think I was quite uh, open to kind of talking if I had somebody independent. uh, You know, obviously I I put my trust Mm -hmm. um, in the health visitor because she was completely independent. I felt that she would understand 
um, what I was going through because she was, you know, she was visiting other moms and that was her job. Mm-hmm. So I kind of put my trust in her and she, you know, she encouraged me to to kind of go to the visits mm-hmm. and things like that at the doctor's. Um, but she also did say that, you know, do you think you might be feeling this way? And do you think, you know, you could do with um, some help and things like that? And then at that point, again, I did um, I did uh, decide to uh, go for some counselling. But then she, she made some other suggestions to me as well, which was that that maybe I should look to kind of meet with other mums. Yeah. And, and I, I did spark a, a friendship with another mum online and she turned out to be a GP. Oh, uh, she recognized it straight away, I think, when she visited me at my home. Mm-hmm. And then once that friendship developed, she would basically come to me quite often uh, to see me and she would support me in, in leaving my home. So as well as uh, obviously going to the NHS and getting the support from there, I also had now been encouraged to find a friend, which which kind of gave me a bit of motivation to do so. Um, and it meant that, you know, it just all it all just kind of fitted together and I started to kind of find my feet again. That sounds really positive that you've had the support network to help you. Um, Similarly, you know, we've got an online community called Muslim Mamas. It was a platform that was born out of somebody who was going through self-isolation and postnatal depression and things like that. So I think online communities are are life-saving platforms for mums who are in need. It doesn't matter where you are, you can find someone to help you or support you or find a friend. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I think we don't realise um, that we're actually going for a difficult time. Sometimes yeah. it does take somebody else to realise that you've, your your mood is low or you're behaving slightly differently to as you normally would be. Um, you know, because it's, it's so easy to live in denial that everything is fine when actually it really isn't. And uh, it could be a coping mechanism because you know that you've got to be responsible for the baby and you almost force yourself to be in good spirits, even knowing that you're not really. But um, sometimes it does take somebody else, whether it be somebody from the outside or somebody you live with, to really, you know, make you aware that actually uh, you might need some help. Yeah. I think you're so right about that because I feel like obviously as mums, like you said, Nafisa as well, we all go through this experience together, but it affects us all in different ways. And I think we kind of expect for us to feel, you know, a bit upset and, you know, they call it the baby blues and that. But how do you tell the difference between having ordinary baby blues and having something like postnatal depression? Like you said, having people to talk to and you're having a friend who was a GP that probably really helped in differentiating between the two and knowing when something needed a little bit more help. Definitely. I feel like really, if I had not spoken to my health visitor, I I may not have got the motivation to go and find a friend. Um, really. So it just shows the significance of uh, those visits, for example. And it, that could have been anybody. Anybody could have said that to me and I, I still would have done it. But again, it was almost like um, it's like planting a seed, isn't it, in someone's mind? Um, and, it, and it excites you. It kind of thinks, well, actually, yeah, if I did have a friend, maybe that would be nice. Yeah, maybe it would be nice to sit down and have a cup of tea with another mum and just share ideas. Yeah. It, it plants a really quite a beautiful seed actually and it motivates you to feel you know there there might just be that light at the end of the tunnel that you're seeking 
it sounds like, you know, things were picking up and, you know, with the help of your friend, you're getting the support that you needed. How did you go from seeing the light at the end of the tunnel to becoming engulfed in that darkness again? I think as time went on, as my physical health improved and I found some confidence again to go back out, I, I returned to work and all of that kind of stuff started to happen. I started to get my life back together. And then uh, a couple of years later, I decided to try for another child. Um, and actually, we, we had quite some difficulties in trying to conceive the second child. So there were some infertility issues there. However, I did conceive in 2015. So it took, it took a bit of time to get there. But when we got there, we, we conceived twins. Unfortunately, that ended in early pregnancy loss. Um, so and yes, yeah, so it was it it was very heartbreaking because a we were not expecting to conceive twins. So when oh. we found out, we were absolutely just over the moon, overjoyed because you know we've been trying for so long, yeah. and then um, you're told that you're now going to have two, and then we went from you're going to have two to we don't think the second one's going to make it, um, and you're probably only going to end up with one, which was bittersweet but we felt you know we still felt quite blessed at that point um and then i think when, when the heartbeat of the one just you know it, it it just wasn't there anymore we were told that i had lost the complete pregnancy at that stage it it was it was oh, devastating I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry it, to it, but it, you know, it, and a lot of a lot of women do go through this kind of thing. I think the devastation was so much because my hopes were so raised. I think was so excited about it that I fell into a very dark place, a darker place than I would say I had ever felt, because that was the point where I felt inadequate almost, and and I felt like I did not want to live anymore. Um, so that was that was the darkest place I would say I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, a turmoil that, you know, where I was contemplating my own life. Um, and yeah, I would wake up and, and I remember just having days where, where I just wish I hadn't. And how did you find the strength to get help for that? How did you know how to navigate yourself out of that situation? Um, so I think I became a very, very different kind of person at that point. I think a lot of people around me were realizing that there was something not right, mm-hmm. um, particularly my husband, um, my family. I think that it really struck them that something is not right. The way that I would speak, the way that I would not participate in certain things but I would walk around quite often with just a smile on my face trying to act quite normal but as soon as I would be at home in my own space it would be totally different story so I think it got to a point where I spoke to my husband I realized that you know I was feeling this way and then I had to go and visit my GP about it and tell them that you know I'm feeling this way that was the point where I had some cognitive behavioural therapy at that point, um, which was one of the most life-changing experiences for me because um, I learned how to rewire my thoughts. You mentioned that that was the most valuable therapy that you've ever had and you would recommend it to everybody because it, even if you don't have mental health 
challenges. Yeah, so life's it's a toolkit for life. Um, I, I still use it. You don't need to have a poor mental health to use things that can help your mind, that can help you reframe your thoughts, that can help you have a very sound uh, kind of daily healthy life uh, in your mind each day and to be able to pull out a tool on a time when you feel you need it most because a life isn't a straight line it, it's often we go through these waves don't we um, we have to almost navigate different seasons mm-hmm. and I think if we're prepared for it if we have something that can help us a reminder and this is where I would say also the NHS the the mind plan is also very useful because that serves me as a reminder that you know actually what can I do to keep myself to keep my mind healthy and I think everybody can really use some of the key points in that. Uh, Tasnim and I will share our results of the mind plan we both did the quiz online and we'll talk about that shortly. Um, Before we do I just wanted to also pick up on um, about your mental health throughout the pandemic, because we've all just been through this and we're going through it. How was it throughout the pandemic? How did you cope in that situation? So I think it was very worrying, as it would have been for many. It was worrying for me because it was full of unknowns. I I think what I struggle with personally the most is unknowns, not knowing what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. You know, what's the ramifications of it going to be? How is it going to impact me? How will I be able to stay at home for so long? What if I become isolated again? You know, what if I start feeling low? What if I can't keep my mind happy and healthy? You know, I started to have those kinds of worries about how am I going to get through it, basically. Particularly when you've been through uh, poor mental health in the past. It's one of the first things that you worry about when there's such a big, it's it's life changing for everybody uh, for, you know, the interim period. So, but... I had all the experiences of the past to know that there was something that I had to put in place to ensure that I wasn't going to go down a slippery slope again, really. I think it was just, again, using all the tools and techniques that I have, using whatever the NHS was, you know, keeping us well informed about um, all these tools that they give us, you know, including the mind plan quiz and things like that to basically serve you as a reminder of, you know, we've got to take care of our own mental health during these uh, sort of unknown times. Um, so could you like go into a little bit more detail about the kind of tools and the techniques that have helped you to overcome any challenges that you're facing and kind of manage how you feel about going forward? Yeah, so one of my things that I've learned, one of the biggest lessons is, is to find your purpose. So, you know, obviously we do our jobs and we do all the things that we have to do in life, but it's not so often that we maybe find the time or try and just put some time aside to really think about, you know, what is it that really makes you happy? What is it that you can do that you're not doing for your self-care and for your self-love? What are you doing to take care of you? And for me, my outlet is always poetry. It always has been from, you know, the moment before I even lost my dad. Uh, Poetry has been my outlet to express my emotions, to express what feels heavy. And I I use that throughout my life. And that's a skill that, you know, a tool. But many people have different hobbies. They have different talents that they can maybe turn to use during their difficult times. But it's just finding what, what is your purpose for yourself that it doesn't impact anybody else. It's just for you. So definitely that has got to be one. The Better Health Every Mind Matters aims to support the nation's mental well-being by showing the little things we can all do to look after our mental health 
helping us to lead happier, healthier lives and cope with life's challenges. If you search for Every Mind Matters Online, you will find a free NHS-approved mind plan. By answering five simple questions, you will get a personalised mental health action plan with practical tips for helping to deal with stress and anxiety, boost your mood, sleep better and feel more in control. Search Every Mind Matters to see what works for you. During um, the pandemic, for example, I did think about, you know, what can I do? There's lots of things I can't do, but Actually, if you try and put some sort of positive spin on it, what is it that I can do? So I wanted to focus on my physical health as well at that time because I had not focused too much on my physical health for so long because, you know, we get so busy in our other things. And I thought, right, okay, I want to eat more healthy and I want to exercise. And I started walking lots. We had the chance to exercise, go out and exercise uh, once a day. So I used that opportunity to get out and get some fresh air and go for that walk. Um, And I would walk for one hour each day. And then also I had not ridden my bike, had not done cycling for about 15 years. And I decided to buy a bike and get back on it. And I did. And I I managed to basically get into quite a healthy mindset and a healthy physical state as well. So it kind of went hand in hand, to be honest. Yeah, it's amazing how connected it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So and that that really did keep me going because I had something to look forward to every day. I was going to say, like, um, in our communities, mental health often is so stigmatised. So how did the community around you react? Did you get any support from them? So I think often, uh, before I can say anything about the community, if I don't admit to myself that I have a problem, there's, there's nothing the community can do about that. I think that's the first thing. So once I know that there's something not right, I think the second hurdle, it actually becomes very difficult to tell anybody. Um, because it's been hard enough admitting it to yourself, let alone admitting it to the community or to anybody outside of your bubble. I think people start to notice, don't they? And and it's a matter of when you feel comfortable to share your story or you become comfortable to share how you're feeling and what's going on inside of you. Um, you know, for me, I'm going to be very open. I felt as if I couldn't. I felt afraid. I felt fear of letting people know what I was going through because I've just didn't know how they would react or what they would say Um, and I worried about what they would think but I felt quite a release when I did I felt like I was not holding it and trapping it in anymore but I have to say that if people haven't maybe been through a similar experience I think maybe it can be difficult for them to empathize because sometimes it feels like in our community that there isn't as much awareness about it as there should be certainly there wasn't when I initially started talking about it I felt like not many people understood it or it was something that would just get swept under the carpet very quickly you know there is that stigma that taboo around it um and I think that sometimes they just will sort of say oh it will be all right it's okay it's not the end of the world but nobody really realizes what you're going through and that actually it's just as important as having a physical injury and it's just as significant so I think that's why these conversations are so important I was just going to actually say that, you know, I was just going to ask that question. Why do we shy away from this and refuse to recognize that it needs medical attention the same way that our physical health needs attention? And it's such an epidemic in our community. These are the questions we need to ask ourselves and ask the community and find ways to, you know, raise awareness and make it normal for people to talk about it and to treat mental health issues as importantly as they would if it was a physical disability. Absolutely. I think maybe language has got a lot to do with it as well. 
Um, There isn't a lot of language around how to describe mental health within our community. The first thing that I mean, I used to think about is I'm going to get labelled as someone who's just mad and crazy because that's how people start to see you. They start to think that there's something very wrong with you. They might not want to talk to you uh, Mm -hmm. because they think that you're not normal. And I think that that's very sad. I think the more that we do share, the less shame and the less um, kind of insecurities we have about sharing our stories, the more it will become a normal part of a conversation, as we do with other things. So it's really taking back that control, isn't it, of actually it's completely fine. Absolutely, 100% agree. And I think the thing that you said about the language is so true. Massively I mean, I know in Bengali, like, Nafisa, do you know how you would say um, mental health in Bengali? Yeah. Like, is there a term? You know, so I can't think of one of the one the one I can think yeah, of. They it do. doesn't they encapsulate it at all. Matadush, right? Uh, that that's one. Um, I think yeah. the other one that I've heard is they say manushik rog. Manushik rog means it's like a human illness or mental health illness. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and of course there are worse ways that they could describe it as well, like crazy equivalent to what Hamid uh, said earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's so like it's like saying to somebody basically you're mental. I that's the only that's yeah. the only word like in Punjabi that I feel that people would use to describe. And the thing is they won't even understand the different types of mental health issues. You know, like yeah. you try to explain differentiate between depression and anxiety. It's like to yeah. them it's it's all just one big thing. It's all under one umbrella, but actually it's not it, it, you know, there's so many levels of it and severity and types. And it's just, there is a barrier there. There's a language barrier. So what advice would you give to members of the community that are experiencing mental health challenges? Well, firstly, I would say that um, it's very important to address it. The first step is to address it, to accept that something needs attention, just as you would with your physical health. If there's something in the mind which doesn't feel right, you know, you're not feeling right within yourself, the first thing is to admit that actually there is something that needs attention and then there is the second thing is to where to find that you know what would be most comfortable to you because you know there's no one that fits all you know somebody might benefit from speaking to somebody close to them first before going anywhere else another person might want to go and look on some resources online another person might want to visit their GP so it's very personal what what you do but it's the fact is just addressing it and at least taking the first step to get help is is the most important step is starting. Um, and if you find it hard to start, then maybe asking somebody to support you to seek help can also be very helpful. Because when you're in a low place, it's very hard to do anything, let alone try to help yourself in that situation. So and the and I think that we should never be afraid to ask for help. And, you know, our fellow uh, family members or friends, I'm sure that they are more empathetic than we can imagine sometimes, especially to something like this. Yeah. So I would definitely say those are the first two things. And the third thing is that not to fear what other people are going to think. I think there's also an association about if I go to the GP, it's going to be on my record for life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I know in yeah. our community, this is a big thing. I don't want it on my record, so I'm not going to go and tell anybody. Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to suffer in silence. That doesn't have the best result because it will not just get better. If you leave an open wound and you don't seek help, is it just going to get better? You know, yeah. <laughs> is it really? So we must think of our mind in that way too. Yeah, your words are really powerful and, and the way you've described it as well. 
it's really, really powerful. And I think it's so important for us to try and understand it, try to yeah. advise others with the same. And that brings me to the NHS-led initiative called Every Mind Matters, which was launched recently on the 5th of October in the run-up to the World Mental Health Day. And it aims to support the nation's mental well-being, uh, mainly aimed at adults, I think, but weighted towards those who are most at risk of uh, mental health problems and vulnerable groups. And the way the campaign works is a hero's uh, the little things that we can do to look after our mental well-being and how these can make a massive difference, which in turn will help us to lead happier, healthier lives and cope with life's challenges. So on the Evermind Matters website, I tried the Mind Plan quiz. And after answering the five quick questions, some of the tips that were given to me was that I needed to relax my muscles and mind. I have to try meditation. Meditation is where you stop the devices <laughs> an hour before going to bed. Um, and also it recommended me to move every day and so on. I have to admit, when I did the test, I was pleasantly surprised and I, I actually completely agreed with it. And it's something that I knew was affecting me anyway. The fact that I have devices on before going to bed or the fact that maybe I'm not doing as much exercise as I need to. So it was nice to see that, yeah, it was absolutely accurate. It was already in alignment with what I knew were issues that was affecting me. And also what I liked about it was under each tip, there's more information that you can either listen to or you can watch so you understand it better. There was even one that when he asked me to move more, it said you can have a 10 minute workout. Um, have a look at this, something like that. So that was really good. And I'm looking forward to trying them out. I know for myself personally, when I'm feeling overwhelmed or when I get a dash of imposter syndrome, I just have to take a deep breath and step away from the situation. Um, I find that exercise does really help me, such as going for a walk. And by the time I come home, I feel really energized and refreshed. Um, yeah, so these are the kind of tools that I use generally. And it was nice to see it being reinforced on the Mind Plan on the Every Mind Matters website. Um, Taz, you've tried the Mind Plan. What were you advised yeah. and does it tally with what you do when you're stressed? Okay, so yeah, I did the Mind Plan questionnaire. And like you said, it was really quick. The questions were quite simple. They seemed really simple, but I think it's enough to kind of get an idea of where you are mentally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did find it helpful. And they gave me tips that I definitely agree with, like regular sleep, um, how to stay healthy, how to do more kind of like feel good things, mm -hmm. mindfulness and meditation. And I think one was about moving more every day. So I definitely agree with all of that. Like when I feel stressed out, I do I'll go for a walk or I'll go to the gym and that really helps, you know, clear my head. And I found it interesting that they said uh, mindfulness and meditation as well, because so for me, um, that's praying and that does always kind of center me as well. So, yeah, 100 percent agree with the tips. And I like the way that you could swap the tips as well if it's something um, that you don't agree with. But it totally makes sense that it works. I mean, I think the advice has been given by clinical experts. So, yeah. you know, they know what they're talking about. Definitely. And um, what about you, Hami? Um, have you tried the mind plan? I have. I have tried it. And I think what's really important um, to point out is that they tell you why it's important to do these things. So like for me, it was like to move more every day because it reduces stress and increases energy to be mindful and to meditate because it, it teaches us how to be more present because it's often when we're looking in the past or we're looking yeah. to the future that we become so overwhelmed, you know. Um, doing more feel good things that goes back to the point about where I was speaking about you know finding your purpose because it prevents low mood and then staying healthy um, basically like a balanced diet affects how we feel 
So, you know, even thinking about our food and our exercise and things like that is very important. And then um, they said about regular sleep because it actually regulates our body clock. So, you know, we get into a good rhythm, a good routine. Another thing which I am doing as well was to embrace volunteering, you know, so you get to meet new people. Like Even when you're going through a difficult time, actually helping others or volunteering to help others. So the charity work that I do, it makes you feel very it's a very rewarding for oneself when you're going through a hard time. So this really does serve as a reminder, a, a yeah. daily reminder of all the things that we can be doing. All the advice that you've given us, Hami, has been so, so valuable. Your insights, your words and and your analogies, all of it, it's, it's really empowering. And I hope our listeners take away from it and are able to utilize it in their lives as well. So just to conclude this episode, we'll be doing future pods where we hear from our sisters who have gone through various mental health challenges. I leave you with the reminder that Islam teaches us to have spiritual resilience and offers a spiritual sanctuary for Muslims to live a peaceful life by using their inner strengths and having a strong relationship with God, being optimistic and purifying their feelings. Islam acknowledges the importance of spiritual status as an interior power that can be exercised to have a calm mind, healthy consciousness and positive thoughts. By speaking about it more openly, inshallah, we can make it easier for others to reach out and seek help. Inshallah. Um, and I think it's important to remember as well that mental health isn't just a female or a male issue. It affects every one of us. Um, half our problem is admitting it and then knowing what to do about it. The Every Mind Matters website is constantly being updated to support ongoing mental health and well-being needs. Um, it also includes a COVID-19 hub, which offers tips and support on how to deal with change, cope with money worries and job uncertainty as well. And just to add here, the website also uh, provides practical tips on dealing with stress and anxiety, boosting your mood, sleeping better and what you can do to help others. So you just need to search Every Mind Matters to see what works for you. We will drop all the links into our show notes as well. Thank you for listening, everybody. Please do share this episode far and wide and let's help break the taboo by raising awareness and getting people to talk about it and then signpost by letting them know where they can get some basic help thanks Ahami thanks Tasneem thank you thank you bye we're not able to give medical advice but if you feel like you need some contact your GP or visit 111.nhs.uk or call 111 if you have seriously harmed yourself or your life is in danger it's important that you seek medical attention urgently please dial 999 for an ambulance or go straight to A&E. Whatever feelings or situation have got you here, there are people who want to help you get safe. Samaritans and Shout Crisis Text offer free listening services and offer confidential advice from trained volunteers. You can talk about anything that's troubling you, no matter how difficult. We'll drop all the links and numbers in the show notes. You can learn more about grief and support available through the NHS website. You can also search for Cruise Bereavement Care. Both links will be added to the show notes. For child bereavement in particular, you can contact SANS, the stillbirth and neonatal death charity. They provide support for anyone affected by the death of a baby. There are also many other self-help groups in the UK for bereaved parents and their families. You can search for bereavement support services in your area. All relevant contact numbers and emails will be dropped into the episode show notes. The Better Health Every Mind Matters aims to support the nation's mental well-being by showing the little things we can all do to look after our mental health, 
helping us to lead happier, healthier lives and cope with life's challenges. If you search for Every Mind Matters Online, you will find a free NHS-approved mind plan. By answering five simple questions, you will get a personalised mental health action plan with practical tips for helping to deal with stress and anxiety, boost your mood, sleep better and feel more in control. Search Every Mind Matters to see what works for you. You've been listening to Nafisa and Tasneem. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our show. Don't forget to subscribe, share and review. Follow us on Insta and Facebook at NotAnotherMumPod as well as on Twitter, mum underscore pod. You can also listen to all our pods on www.notanothermumpod.com as well as on all your favourite podcast platforms. Shall we go to bed now? <coughs> really? I can't cuddle you. I can't fit in your bed. Yes, be awake forever. Good night, children. Say Allahumma. Allahumma. Bismika. Amutu. Wahia. Allahumma. Bismika. Amutu. Wahia.